Hey, this is JJ Redick. You may know me as a basketball player. You may have seen me play during my college career at Duke University, or perhaps over the past decade playing in the NBA for the Magic, the Bucks, the Clippers, or the Sixers. Well, today I'm here to tell you about my new show, the JJ Redick Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. This is where you can find me interviewing athletes like my current teammate, Joel Embiid, as well as in-depth conversations with celebrities like the Late Late Show host, James Corden. The very first episode goes live later this week, so make sure to subscribe to the JJ Reddick Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today by... Robert Mays. Robert, it's the final quarter of the NFL season. I'm unsure of what we know at this point. Patriots are getting good. weirder. The Patriots are good. We had a weird but, Thursday night game. Yeah, and an unfortunate one. I mean, the fact that everyone, we're in this point now where Alvin Kamara had become maybe the most exciting player in the NFL. And it's like, all right, Saints in prime time, like, just settle in, be able to watch Alvin Kamara play, everything else the Saints do well, and then one play, or not one play, but one drive into the game, Alvin Kamara's done. So, my big thing is, what does a team look like when a guy's missing? Alvin Kamara, Offensive Rookie of the Year by a wide margin. Yeah, it was. It's because we got kind of a the perfect experimental conditions. Like we got to, the scientific perfect. elements of it. Perfect. We're just like, all right, what would the Saints be without Alvin Kamara? How valuable has he been? Was, and then we got to see an entire game without it's, him. It's a wonderful life game where yeah, you're just you like, just here's, to watch here's a game yeah. where this guy just doesn't exist. Yep. And that was interesting to me. Um, now we have chaos, not only in the NFC South, but in the NFC in general. Um, I have no idea what the hell is about to happen over the next couple of weeks. So now the Falcons are kind of in play in the division again. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, they play the Saints again. So if Atlanta goes on a run, they're in this. The at- Saints are 9-4, and four, and then the Panthers are 8-4, and four, the Falcons are 8-5. and five. That's pretty good. Yeah. And the fact that Atlanta gets New Orleans again is important. So that they kind of have that in their back pocket this entire way through. And this just looks really good for Minnesota is what it looks like. I mean, the fact that my, the Vikings are kind of going to cruise to a bye. I mean, it was them in New Orleans kind of with Philadelphia for a few weeks there. And now looks like the Vikings are just going to settle into at least the second seed in the NFC. So if somebody knocks off the Eagles, they get home field advantage all the way through. It's kind of what happened with the Eagles have the Rams this week. Yeah. So, I mean, Minnesota, I mean, if, and if Minnesota wins, then the, they have a better record than the Eagles. So, this is they're the winners here. I think them and Philly just kind of settling into those first two spots with the Eagles, even if they drop one, two more games by the end after only losing one for their first 11. Uh, this is a win for both those guys. I mean, they want to play at home, obviously, and it's looking like pending disaster. They will get to do that for most of the playoffs. So I spent a good chunk of September and October talking about the new NFL and the way that teams approach things, okay? And one of my big talking points is that the first five, six weeks of the season just don't matter mm-hmm. because the way practice schedules are now after the CBA, the way that rookie, you know, so many young players um, get early playing time because the CBA, the contract status, is a million things. It would take 50 minutes to go through it on its own. But the point is, is that teams settle into the season. The Saints were a good example in the sense that they figured out their defensive secondary as the season went on and then and they went on an amazing run. The Seahawks are another example. They're a team that started slow. They figured it out. The Falcons... Think about all the hand-wringing about Steve Sarkeesian. It's not, it's not Kyle Shanahan, and it's not going to be. But 
the idea, you know, the panic that set in in the Falcons' offense over the first couple of weeks. I mean, it's 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 clear to me that the Falcons have at least figured out where their floor is. I guess so. Their offense is still frustrating to watch. I mean, they could not no, throw the course. ball yesterday. And Matt Ryan threw the ball to the other team like he was, I don't know, name me a bad quarterback. It, it just Joe, wasn't. Joe Flacco. Yeah, there you go. I mean, the fact that they threw the, they had three turnovers, in the fir- three interceptions in the first half sure. and won that game. I'm more impressed with what the Falcons did on defense last night. I mean, they were just everywhere. Which also wasn't great in the first no, couple it, of No, it hasn't been great even recently. I but mean, that's the best game I've seen the them ball, play in a long time. Both sides of the ball needed to figure it out, and they both did, I think, in my opinion. I, the, the offense still worries me. Okay. I, I still feel like there just aren't as many guys open as there should be. You know, Brian's forcing throws. I know the Saints are a good pass defense, but I'm not sold yet. The running game is good, and it was good again last night, and that's why they won that game. But to me, I feel like the fact that you have those guys on defense settling in, the guys you need to play well are, Deion Jones was all over the place. I mean, that last drive, he makes that tackle on Snead on a play that'd be a touchdown against most teams. Little, It's kind of similar to the play that the Rams scored on, the inside-outside motion play that uh, Robert Woods had that touchdown on a couple weeks ago. And Snead should be wide open in the flat, and Jones tracking down for no gain. Then that interception... Every Monday I do the NFL players, they're absolutely nothing like us, and do one highlight. Deion Jones was like six feet off the ground, parallel to the ground when he caught that ball. It's just unbelievable. I mean, the guy is a monster athlete in the middle, and that's what they need to survive on. They're small. They need those guys to be able to cover space, and they did it very well against New Orleans. You're going to want athletes on your team. That's my over, <laughs> yes. overriding point of the NFL season, and Deion Jones is an athlete. And I mean, that's very true, but the, what you sacrifice that with that approach, what you sacrifice on defense is the ability to stop the run most of the time. Yeah. And the fact that you had New Orleans come in there yesterday and not be able to completely run over the Falcons in that way, that was impressive to me. I know no Kamara, but even with Ingram, that's something that you have a concern with when it comes to New Orleans and the way Atlanta's built, and it wasn't a problem. Uh, Drew Brees last night, by the way, took on Thursday Night Football, like maybe as as directly as anybody since Drew Brees said the 100% of the injuries were because of Thursday Night Football. So it's another thing to watch. I'm intrigued. The Kamara injury was? I don't know about that. He got hit flush on the side of the head. I don't know. Well, if they weren't playing on Thursday, he wouldn't have gotten hurt last night. I guess not. You know what he'd been doing? Practicing. That's fast. <laughs> so literally, by, the, so the argument t- is so good <laughs> because literally the only way you can get hurt on a Thursday is by playing, is on, by a playing on a Thursday. I can't refute that. 100% of the Thursday night football injuries occur on Thursday. Hey, that is you an argument got, that no one can you combat. You just got owned, Mace. <laughs> All right. Uh, our favorite four, favorite four matchups of the week. Let's start with the big one. I'll be there. I've been with the Eagles all week. Um, Eagles Rams. Yeah, this one's fun. I mean, I think that the storyline everyone hit all week, which makes sense, is just that even number two, number two pick, number one, and number two picks. The first two picks from last year's draft, both horrendously boring people. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprising, but an interesting the story. The fact that they're friends. That's all you need to know. Check, they're the same agent. I mean, like, they, trained, they, they, they worked out together. They work out together, yeah. But they're so just I mean, a not, they're not exactly, you know, Brett Favre here. I, Cam, I, that I can understand. Cam Newton. I would give Jared Goff a little bit more than Carson Wentz. I've, I've had a long conversation with Jared Goff. I've never had one with Carson Wentz. So, I assume, I, I'm going to give Jared Goff a slight nod. Matt man. Ryan. You know who gets lumped unfairly into the boring quarterbacks and isn't? Joe mm-hmm. Flacco. <laughs> He's got an edge to him, but no one no one cares because it's Joe Flacco. Matt Ryan, I think, is a little bit more of an asshole than people know. 
That yeah, I will I've say. That. Yeah. But not a good asshole. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the story's yeah, yeah. about golfing with Matt Ryan. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. not an enjoyable experience. Like he yeah. goes for the throat. So do we I, think Jake Cutler w- w- is, is do we Jake Cutler's just an asshole in a good no, and no, bad way? Do we does he have personality? Yes. 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 Oh my he god. Has, yes. Yeah. 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 Jake Cutler absolutely has personality. He's not yeah. boring. Who else? most of the other, a lot of quarterbacks are boring. Russell Wilson is intentionally boring, but it's not a boring person. Correct. Kind of a Derek Jeter type in that regard. Yep. Just like that's he, a good com- that's yep. a good comparison. Yep. Uh, Stafford. Is again someone who people I know who know him say he's interesting, but he doesn't. He yeah, doesn't he doesn't come off it. as interesting. Um, I don't, is Deshaun Watson going to be a personality when he? That's a good question. I don't know. He seems like I don't know. That's a good one. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure where to land on that one quite yet. We need more personalities for quarterbacks. We, yeah, we need more Jake Cutler. But doesn't the 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 position overall just lends itself to boring? People? I wish Cam Newton were awesome again cuz I love yeah. I love cocky Cam Newton. That was a fun year for quarterback personalities Cam that Newton we don't have very often. High is yeah. is really funny. The yeah. funny thing is Tom Brady is boring in some ways, but then all of the Tom Brady yelling no. at people stuff kind of steps he's outside boring. of that. He's boring. Yeah, I guess so. She's a football nerd. Yeah, but he's like berating people on the sideline, which everyone yeah, else hates. I'm kind of into. Okay, should I start doing that? Sure, if you want to. If you're try- if the purpose is to make me better at the podcast, Kevin, and to get the most we can out of each other, then I'm fine with you yelling at me every once in a while. Case Keenum. He doesn't seem that boring. Eagles at Rams. <laughs> um, obviously, this has huge implications. We're talking about for, for the buy. Yep. Um, I'm intrigued. Both of these teams probably have their divisions wrapped up at this point. So this is just a sort of a, um, I mean, I guess the Seahawks can still make it, right? The way Seattle looked last week, I mean, if the Rams lose this game, I know the Rams and the Seahawks play each other again. I'm not ruling it out yet just based on math. I feel like the Rams are definitely the better team, but I still think that Seattle's in play. I love that I picked this Patriots and the Seahawks to make the Super Bowl, and that's going to be 100% the Super Bowl. I'm still not ready to pencil in the Seahawks there yet, but I get what no, you're saying. No, I just, as I discussed, I enjoy the fact I don't have to change it yet. No, I understand that. I mean, the fact that the Chargers might make the playoffs, the fact that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, I think you I got just, some it, wins. You buy and hold. We're like Bitcoin <laughs> people. You just hold on to it. Hold on to your picks because it's coming around. My th- I picked the uh, the Steelers and the Packers, and yeah. <laughs> the, the Packers you, are not out of it yet. Not out of it, baby. <laughs> not go. out of it. All right, so... What do you want to see from these two quarterbacks? Because I'm, I'm, I think people are viewing this as, you know, I think people still in in Los Angeles wish they had Carson Wentz. Yeah, that just seems silly. I mean, golf has been excellent all year. Wentz has been better. Correct, but I still think that with go- golf in this offense, this is just a win. Just pencil it in that you have Jared Goff as your quarterback. Sure. I don't think you can play that game. I'm not sure the quarterbacks matter here. I, I mean, they matter, obviously, but I th- I'm more concerned about what the Eagles are going to do up front against the Rams just because what we saw last week is problematic. You know, I wrote mm-hmm. this week kind of the injuries that have been widespread around the NFL, who's handled them the best. And for a while, I think you could have said the Eagles losing Peters didn't show up. And then last week, you started to see the cracks a little bit when the help doesn't matter, when there are a lot of twists and blitzes. And I think that the Rams are going to look at that and say, okay, we can replicate that yep. we can play games on that side and see if it works so against this Rams front and against a good defensive coordinator we'll see if that shows up again and I'll be curious to see what the Rams try to do against this Eagles defense just because yep. it's a really complete unit 
I'm not sure if as much the play action game is going to work as much as it has in other situations, just because I don't know if they'll have as much time. You know, can that Rams offensive line hold up against this team? I think that there's a lot of questions just based on how complete the rest of these rosters are. I'm penciling in the quarterbacks. You have Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz. You're doing just fine right now. The Wentz is third in the NFL in third downs with his legs. That's their, the best thing they do. is His ability to kind of create and avoid. Yeah. That's a lot of what we've seen in terms of their offensive line not being problematic without Peters has also been Wentz just making plays. I mean, how many guys has he shrugged off in the pocket and then run for first downs? When Roethlisberger was doing that kind of stuff, he would extend plays and then throw the ball. Yep. Wentz actually has mobility, which makes him really dangerous. So last year I was talking to Brad Childress, and Childress had spent a year studying the spread offense, and, and one of the people that he honed in on was Wentz when he was mm-hmm. in, in college, and he called Wentz the Holy Grail. And what he meant by that, because he was talking about the discussion we're having was about how to convert college schemes to pro schemes. Sure. And it's a sort of a, you know, it's a decade-old conversation at this point. But Childress was saying the thing about Wentz is that he can do everything. He's so he can take some spread stuff and bring them into the NFL level. He can do they've what, done whatever. A lot of that. Exactly. They, they've done literal North Dakota State yeah. plays. They've just taken the plays. I mean, the amount of RPOs they yep. run is, is yep. amazing. And his ability to kind of w- exist within that is so impressive. So he can do that. He can do any sort of quote unquote pro style mm-hmm. thing you want. He I mean, looks like a pro style quarterback for sure. Yeah. He has the personality of a pro style quarterback. <laughs> and so, I mean, I just think. What we're missing with Wentz when we talk about him is just the flexibility he has within an offense because he can do everything or he can get the third most third downs with his legs in the NFL. It's it's really, I, I love Carson Wentz. He's an interesting combination of players. I think that you know, Luck has some of the, I can run after I get actually shrug guys off, a guy that's big but also mobile, but those guys just don't come around that often. I uh, Some bad news about Andrew Luck. I'm aware that he's not playing right now. The, the, uh, the I can shrug off defenders and run yeah, for first downs things backfired. I'd like, I would like to see what Carson Wentz does after five straight years of getting hit 90 times a season. Ryan Grigson? <laughs> yeah, or that. I would like with to see Ryan Carson Grigson. Wentz with Ryan Grigson. Yes. Ryan Grigson. Um, all right, Vikings and Panthers. I, should I be more excited for this game? I was just having the same thought because on paper like it looks two, great. Two boxers are like 28-0 and you're just like, oh. <laughs> Sneaks up on what you I, What's going on here? I feel like what Minnesota is doing right now, I just feel good about whoever they're playing. You know, it doesn't uh-huh. matter who it is. They're going to find a way, it seems. Mm-hmm. And that's why this Carolina team, I feel like is the weakest of all the NFC contenders, quote unquote. So that's why I just think that Minnesota is in a diff- sort of different class than the Panthers are right now. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, Carolina, they seem like the team that would fall out if a team like Green Bay were to make a run. I mean, that's just the way I see it. They lose this week. You know, they have the Packers a week after. There's a chance that happens. I'm still not sold with what they can do on offense. I know the running game has been with much better. Carolina. Yes. The running game has been much better as of late. But I still don't know if it's good enough to make up for just the complete Jekyll and Hyde passing game they have right now. I don't have any faith in their ability to move the ball in that way. And against Minnesota, I'm not sure if they'll be able to just line up and run the ball. Because that Vikings defense is just really, really nasty. And they're playing very well. They're a complete unit right now. I'm, I think Carolina's going to have a very hard time moving the ball. I cannot. The Panthers are like, in the last three years, are a team... 
that I just I can never get to read on. I mean, I I, so I have no yeah. idea what to expect from you know week after week. You know, the Vikings. I'll give you a good. You know, they've dropped the fewest passes in the NFL. They they're they're a machine. They're just efficient. Mm-hmm. They're consistent, and that's why. I mean, I I assume the Vikings are going to win this game. But then, then again, the ceiling on the, on the Panthers is as high as any team in the league. See, I don't think it is right now. Uh, that's my problem. No, a good Panthers team can be really freaking good. I think that's true, but I don't know if their passing game even has that notch right now. I seriously don't know. The way Cam Newton is not playing very well. I, I don't have any faith in their ability to even find it in that realm. And if they can't, then how good can they really be? That's my question. So and the, the defense is good. The defense is, has been good all year. They're pretty much what we thought they'd be. You know, their defense is just, the time marches on with that group. But I don't think it's there with the offense to the point where I would say that. Cam Newton was the fourth highest graded quarterback in the NFL at PFF last week. Number one and number two were Joe Flacco and Blake Bortles. <laughs> That's amazing. I did not know that. I wrote about I'm Joe Flacco and Blake Bortles. I'm not one of these guys who like looks at PFF grades and I'm just like, what the hell? You know, remember Aaron Rodgers got a negative grade a couple years ago. Everybody go mad. I'm actually mad about this one. Flacco and Bortles being, if Flacco and Bortles are one, two, your system's broken. That's really funny because that was exactly what I wrote about last Monday, but I did not know and, that. And actually, I'll go a step further. If it's actually true, then the sport is broken. Flacco was good last week, man. I know. So it's just, Bortles. just picking up confidence. So was Bortles. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just think that, I guess the Panthers can be good. Kawan Short's doing pretty well. Damn, their defense has players on it. I mean, there's no doubt. I'm curious how good their corners are going to look against those Vikings receivers this week because I thought that New Orleans would be able to really sling it around last week against them. And it was really the Saints running backs, again, that made the biggest impact. So the corners, to me, are the most problematic players on that Panthers defense. Without a doubt. And we'll see if they show up this week. Last week, I feel like they did a really good job of making life hard for Brees. And if they can't, if they can do the same, then I feel like this can be a low-scoring game that somebody kind of ekes out at the end. Just wait until Marty Herney takes his team and guides him into the offseason and gives them all $70 million contracts. The problem is that the defensive ends have gotten their contract extensions already. Mario Addison just got paid. Peppers is probably not in line to get get one. They're going to give them more money. So they're just going to restructure. It's going to be the first first contract in history where they restructure and just give them more money for no reason. Guys, time to restructure to to give give up more cap space. What Panthers fans really have to be happy about is that McCaffrey won't be eligible for an extension for like three more years. Oh my God. So if he were, then I mean, what would you think about the deals that Marty gave Jonathan Stewart yeah. and D'Angelo Williams. Williams? What would, what would he give Christian McCaffrey if he was allowed to renegotiate this contract? He would look at Andrew Luck's deal and be like, you know what? That seems right. Have you seen the thing about how there actually isn't a CBA clause preventing the, the Redskins from franchising Kirk Cousins again? The cost would be prohibitive. It's the only reason, right? Well, no, so but there's no, there's no map for it. Oh, like, there is no. After the third time, so so this is ESPN reported this. <laughs> I saw it tweeted out, and they're like, well, they could just have a hearing, and if you if you if you continue to increase at forty four percent, which is what it was is at near three, it would be he would make forty nine million dollars in uh, <laughs> in two years. And so what I'm getting at is that's probably the starting the starting spot for Christian McCaffrey with the Marty Herney contract. 
49 million a year. Just 49 million a year. Just pencil. You want to lock in Christian McCaffrey if you're Marty Herney. So you just no. you give him 49 a year. Um, anyway, yeah, I guess maybe we have two days to talk ourselves into this game. I mean, I'm excited to watch it just because I think that it's going to matter. I do want to see Minnesota is just the type of team where I want to watch them every week. Yeah. They have so much talent that it feels like a different guy really shows up in every single game. And that's fun to me. Those are the teams I enjoy watching. I think that that's why I want to see a team like Atlanta in the playoffs because you have that Deion Jones factor. You know, every single week you have a guy that can just be in an absolute dominant force on one side of the ball. And that's fun to me. Minnesota has a dozen of them, it feels like right now. I kind of like that all the NFC teams have played. Like all the good NFC teams have played. Yeah, it's or been will a, the, have played. The schedule has broken. The Vikings played the really NFC well. South. Yep. The Vikings also played uh the Rams. I mean, this is great. This is great stuff. The I mean, last yeah. month or so for NFC games has been excellent. We've just had a lot Rams, of matchups. Eagles that, this week. Yep. And it's a lot of matchups that are going to matter as we go down the stretch here. So it's been nice to watch these teams actually kind of measure themselves up against each other. All right. So we all talked about the big Bengals-Steelers rivalry and how vicious it was. Steelers get another one. Ravens and Steelers. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those games for Baltimore where, okay, are you really a playoff team? Like, can you kind of hang with the better teams yeah, in the AFC? Unfortunately, even if the answer is no, they're still probably going to make the playoffs. Well, I mean, it's mean how dangerous could you be no, if you no, make I, the playoffs? No, no, I know what you mean. I'm just saying for our, from a viewing standpoint, it doesn't matter if they're a playoff team or not. They're making the playoffs, buddy. Here they are. That's true. If for me now, as I've kind of conceded that Baltimore probably will, the next question is, are, are the games they play in the playoffs going to be the least bit entertaining? No. Hey, listen, I'm looking at the AFC wildcard picture. Uh-huh. I'm starting to question whether or not the Bills should have started Nathan Peterman at San Diego. They absolutely could have made the playoffs. Well, I mean, just the issue is that they started Nathan Peterman against San Diego. And now do not, not, they don't have the tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough beat. I would have not started. I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Nathan Peterman, not, uh, not a classically good quarterback. My issue right now, more than the the Ravens or the Bills doing that. The Titans are trash. Yeah. And they're bad. eight and four. Very the bad. fact that we just have to watch this Titans team probably in the first round is just I don't understand it. The Ravens now have actually become interesting to me, have kind of gone the other way. The defense is so good. And I don't know, the Flacco factor is weird that I care more about them than I do about Tennessee. The Titans have been such a boring football team all year. Um, I'm obsessed with the idea that the Jaguars and the Chargers are going to play a first-round playoff game at Stump Up Center. The Chargers absolutely can win the division. Here's now. the thing. Because the thing the Chargers have lucked out on is that they've every team they've played has had a lot of transplants in the Stump Up Center. Mm-hmm. So at least you've got the Eagles or the Browns. Um, this week it's the Redskins. After that, it's the Raiders. No problems there. Plenty of D.C. people yep. around, around L.A. and the Raiders are the Raiders. So... I've been thinking like, oh, next year they're going to play the Bengals. They're going to play the Ravens. They're going to play uh, the AFC South champions. Like that's when the crowd is just going to be like 15,000 people for an NFL game. And then I realized it could happen next month in a playoff game. Yeah. This is a great experiment. This I, is wonderful. I was with the Chargers all week. That's why I'm I, I'm sitting across from you, which uh, we, we haven't mentioned that yet. I'm here. I was with the Chargers all week in Costa Mesa. You can't let everyone know that because then they would know that you're not here sometimes. Yeah, I'm mostly not here. Don't pull the curtain back, Robert. <laughs> I, I don't live in Los they Angeles. They think we're staring into each other's <laughs> eyes as we deliver these takes. Uh, so I was with the Chargers all week, and 
you know, asking a couple of those guys just about the feeling around the team and how much it's changed and everything else, they feel good. I think they're of the mind that they can beat pretty much anybody right now. Yep. And they can. So it just feels like they're definitely the best option in that division right now. I mean, they're all six and sixths. And there's no reason why that division winner can't be nine and seven. I mean, there's a good chance it will be. What's going on with the Chiefs, man? It's a disaster. I mean, it's an absolute disaster. What do you want? I mean, do you think that the Baltimore actually has a chance against the Ravens? Oh, yeah. Or this, against, this, excuse me, against game. the Steelers? I don't know. I mean, the Steelers, Steelers are giving up more. This is, this is what makes me laugh. The Steelers are giving up more 50-yard touchdowns in the passing game than any other team in the NFL. Almost all of them have come since Joe Hayden's injury. Yep. I have some good news to the Steelers. Joe Flacco is not going to throw a 50-yard so, touchdown pass. This is what I'm interested in. We saw that Baltimore passing game last week. The Steelers have been prone to giving those up. It's going to be Cody Who knew Sensen. Joe Hayden was so good, by the way? Just, I'm, I don't mean, and I don't mean that flippantly. Like, the, he, they really do give up way more big plays since he got injured. Cody Sensible had a really nice game against Tennessee, which is his first start, and then it's been an issue since. So that's what I want to see. I mean, Baltimore's passing game was very good last week. Can, is that the start of something? Is that an aberration, or are they going to start pushing the ball downfield a little bit more? Because hmm. it seems like this is the game where they would start doing that. And the other thing that I'm curious about is what the Ravens look like without Jimmy Smith for an entire game against a team that can really throw the ball. This is a very big test for Marlon Can Humphrey. Jimmy Smith serve his PED suspension while injured? I believe so. Amazing. Yeah. Works out. Amazing. What a what a time to be Jimmy yeah, what, Smith. Yeah, what a league. What, what a set of rules that is. They can just wait for him to go on IR or never put him on IR. Right? Or or does the game, does it count if he's on IR? I think it counts if he's on IR. Amazing. That's my understanding of the rule. I might be wrong I'm about sure they'll this. figure out a way to... To make that happen. To make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be fine. Um, the world's least consequential PED suspension. <laughs> They're going to miss him. I mean, that. The what I was concerned about with losing Smith isn't that I think the Ravens defense is suddenly going to be bad. Yeah. Because I think slotting in a first-round pick who's had some moments as a rookie is not a bad option if you're going to have to play a backup corner. But the Ravens' defense, I feel like, needed to be so good and so complete mm-hmm. to make up for how bad that offense has been that I just don't think they can do it. I mean, Baltimore, it's kind of funny. It's not funny. It's kind of unfortunate. I think the Ravens are so much closer to being a real contender than it even seems. I know they're probably going to make the playoffs, but I was watching them on film this week a lot because I was writing about Again, injuries and how they've shown up. And I was watching the running game and what it looks like without Yonda. And they have Dan Scora as their right guard and James Hurst to convert a tackle as their left guard. And it's not like it's a disaster. I mean, you watch and it's like, oh, they know what they're doing. It's just every once in a while, there's a miscommunication or there's just kind of a misstep on a pull or they screw up a combo block and it's a two-yard game that could have been eight. And what Yonda would be on this team, I know he's a guard, it would make such a huge difference because if they had a running game in Alex Collins is good. If they had like a dominant running game, like a top eight running game in terms of efficiency, I think they could be a real team. And it just is unfortunate that this is the year where they miss Marshall Yana for the entire season. We're going to have to watch the team in the playoffs. Yeah. The defense is good, man. I like, I like, let me, let me take one step back. I like a lot of people. And I, earlier in this podcast said that Joe Flacco had a personality. Yeah, there you go. I think I like Alex Collins. I like a lot of those guys. I like Jimmy Smith as a person. Uh, the defense has intriguing pieces. Terrell Suggs in the big spots, never a problem. Um, uh, John Harbaugh, 
like him. But having said that, I just wish there was some mythical sixth AFC wildcard team that could just take the spot. It seemed like the Chargers might be that team if yeah, Baltimore did That's the thing. Now we have to watch the trash Chiefs in the playoffs. <laughs> it's funny that how far we've come on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the most exciting team in football for the first month. It wasn't That's another the example. Team. That's another example. Yes. We said the Chiefs couldn't win the Super Bowl. They were one of the uh, 14 teams Turns that out could we were not. Right. <laughs> and we got raked through the coals and we panicked. Yeah. You and I panicked. Yeah. We backed off. We said we were wrong. We weren't wrong. The only thing I was right about was uh, that the Broncos were really bad. I had that. I'm still, uh, jury's still out of my Giants prediction. <laughs> I feel like they could, I feel like the Giants they could. go on a run. No, no, I, feel hey, like, I feel like the Giants could put it together a little bit. If they were in the AFC, they absolutely could still yeah, make the playoffs. I mean, it'd be the <laughs> three seed. All right, what's our last game? Uh, last game, Seahawks at Jaguars. Love this game. The Gus Bradley Bowl. Yeah. Um, He's still the coach of the Jaguars, right? Yeah, that was tough. That was a rough moment. That was tough. I feel bad for that Can guy. Can I tell you something? Uh, I th- I sometimes think Gus Bradley's the coach of the Jaguars. Have you ever done that before? Like in the middle of a press conference, just had something that was completely and utterly wrong? I have not asked a question at a press conference since 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. At the Wall, at the Wall Street Journal, we were taught never to ask questions at press conferences because then people find out. Uh, what you're doing? What you're doing? Yeah, that makes total sense. I wait for the side. Yeah, I, that's usually what I do as well. Just They're, so everyone knows, the vast majority of press conferences are for television cameras, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's not so so like a lot of writers will wait until the cameras are off. Yes, and basically, some teams do cameras than just the writers. Yes, for 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 coaches, mm-hmm. they do that. I'm not. I don't want to get too in the weeds on that stuff. And then in baseball, um, like everybody does that. Yeah, because you talk to the manager like in his office, typically. Baseball's fucking weird. Baseball's a weird sport to cover. It's been a long time since I've covered a baseball game. But the fact that that was my second job as a beat writer, like my second big sport that I ever did. What was it? I covered the Red Sox my first summer out of college. What? Yeah. I was I was an intern at the Boston Globe. I covered the Red Sox pretty much the entire summer. I mean, I did everything else there. Sure. But for the most part, Summer newspaper internships, you do a lot of baseball, shockingly. Yeah, um, yeah the for those who don't know, some uh, Seahawks Seattle writer asked Pete Carroll during a press conference this week you know, what he thinks about Gus turning around the Jaguars. I actually uh, I spoke to Gus Bradley this week. He's the defensive coordinator for the Chargers. He's turning the Chargers around. I mean, they've been really good. He's turning somebody around. They've been very, very um, good. I'm intrigued by this game. It's a good game. I mean, it's just a good game between I like two this good game teams. More than I like Vikings Panthers. This game is. At, I just I think stylistically this game is fun. There's a lot of individual matchups that I'm interested in. I feel like the Seahawks could really give the Jags some problems on offense. I think this would be a low scoring game, without a doubt. Yeah, and I just want I'm so interested in Russell Wilson working miracles back there that I, I want to see it against a defense this good. So the conversation now, I mean, I think a lot of people brought it up after they beat Philadelphia it was can Russell Wilson be the MVP? And then there was a lot of weird Russell Wilson hasn't been that good backlash oh on football Twitter. It's like, have you seen like the players on the Seattle offense? I don't, Russell Wilson is incredible. Like, I don't understand how there's any other opinion than this. I understand that his numbers might not be good efficiency wise. Maybe his 
overall his season hasn't stacked yeah. up to some of the other seasons he's had. I have no idea how you can watch Seattle and be like, yeah, Russell Wilson just isn't that good this year. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give some of the tape people, you know, that 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 whole crew. Um I'm just gonna give them my perspective on things. <laughs> if you look around and everybody in your unit sucks and yet like you're doing well enough to win a bunch of games, it usually means the quarterback is good or the running back is good or somebody's good. You know how you know the old thing about like if you can't find the sucker, the sucker is you. Yeah. If you can't find the good player, the good player is you. And and that's that's Russell Wilson. Like there's no other reason for the Seahawks offense to be in any way competent. Seattle has the 11th ranked passing offense by DVOA. Seattle is eight and four. If Russell Wilson was not the quarterback of the Seahawks, where would they rank in passing, and what would their record be? If they if they didn't have Russell Wilson, yes. I mean they would have folded. This is the franchise. Yeah, they would not. They would not be in the so NFL it's just anymore. A moot, the point is moot. Yeah, yeah they would. Have we just, would. There wouldn't be a ranking because they wouldn't be an NFL no, they team. They would have moved to Portland and become a hockey team or something. <laughs> so the second soccer team in Portland. That's how it could support two professional soccer teams. Become that, that, and that expansion NHL team would just be the Seahawks. They would just make them <laughs> just, Michael Bennett skate around. Just like put a dome over yeah. CenturyLink. Yeah, they'd be like, we can't play football anymore. Russell Wilson, is, I, I listen, you're a big awards guy. I'm not. I love it. Russell Wilson is absolutely in the MVP conversation. Yeah. I mean, he is. I, I don't think he will win it. I still think that right now we're cruising toward a Tom Brady MVP win, but... I still think that if you're we're breaking down the race, Russell Wilson deserves You know what mention. helps Tom Brady is the fact that the, all of the conversation in the beginning of the season was how bad the Patriots defense was. Yes. And so now everyone just kind of, let's peel back the curtain a little bit, but the vast majority of of football writers are not paying attention every week to every team in the league. Yes. A lot of them are beat writers. A lot of them are local guys. And so they normally don't have much time to check in and make sure narratives are outdated or up to date, whatever. So true. And so like when people are voting, they're gonna be like, oh look, Tom Brady got the Patriots 13 and 3 despite that crappy defense. And so that does that then this is a narrative award more than anything. And Agreed. so I think it's gotta be Brady. And the fact it, that it could be Wentz. And well that's the reason that I feel like the narrative has a role here is that Wentz took a hit last week. We'll right. see what they do down the stretch. If they lose this week, then it's then there's a weird like is Jared Goff better than Carson Wentz momentum, which I don't think is true. But if the Rams win this week, that absolutely will come up. So I, I agree. I think that the narrative elements definitely support Tom Brady more than anyone else at this point. When it's you play once a week, it's a narrative league. hundred percent. You know what happens in the NBA? They just play more games. Yeah, that's true. In the NFL, we play a game and then we have a week of narrative and then we have we play the game and then the narrative from the past week is just completely different. Yep. And nobody cares. It's funny. No one's held accountable for the for the narrative <laughs> they had last week. It's amazing. It's very it reminds me a lot of like English soccer. Like I listen to, to a lot of soccer podcasts and like on Monday it'll, you know, like Liverpool win a game one nothing and the, the, the beginning is just like they've announced themselves as title contenders. <laughs> and like four days ago they were like, This team sucks. <laughs> like that's what the NFL has become. I'll be curious to see what the Seahawks offense looks against Jacksonville. I think that, again, this will be a conjuring plays kind of based attack if they're going to do anything. I also think that the Jags really don't match up well against Seattle's defense. I mean, the one thing you can kind of do on Seattle right now is push the ball down the field outside the numbers just because the secondary isn't at full strength, obviously. Jacksonville doesn't have that. I think that they're going to have trouble running the ball. This is a good, this breaks well for Seattle in terms of having a shot in this game. I think that a team as good as Jacksonville all around 
the Jags are built the exact wrong way to give Seattle problems. Okay, it's time for my hottest take. I actually believe this is easy. I wrote this morning. I believe two things that seem to be, well, three things that seem to be in contradiction but are not. Number one, I don't believe a long-term Sam Hinkie-esque process can work in the NFL, okay, over a three-year span. I think that if you want to do it in in one or two years, that's fine. It's not a true process, but we're going to leave that aside. The second thing I believe is that John Dorsey is a great general manager, and he's one of my favorite people in the NFL just from an evaluation standpoint. The third thing, and again, these have nothing to do with the first two things, the Browns should have not fired Sashi Brown. I agree with all those things. Because what do you have now? You have, Jimmy Haslam just said this in the last hour. Next year, Hugh Jackson, Paul DePodesta, and John Dorsey will all report to ownership. What the hell is that? What the three people who have, I don't want to say, you know, I, well, I don't mean agenda as, you know, I don't mean they have an agenda. I mean, but they do have, you have different agendas. Different humans have different agendas unless they are all tied at the hip. None of these three people are tied at the hip. I don't understand what the point of doing it this way would be. It's just a recipe for disaster. Why wouldn't you just make John Dorsey the head of the football the program? The only way to win in the NFL is have a plan and stick with it. So I'm not saying Sashi Brown is Ron Wolf all of a sudden. But what I am saying is they had a plan, and as long as you stick with it, that's a way towards relevance. The one thing you cannot do is continue to come up with these strategies and then bail on them. Why does Hugh Jackson deserve to keep his job more than Sashi Brown? Why? Did you see the thing about the offensive coordinator? So Mm -hmm. Hugh didn't want an offensive coordinator because he knew it would be a bad offense. And then they would take the fall and they'd have to get fired, right? I have a question. What? Yeah. No, no, that's what he said. That's what he said. What he oh, said. my God. Didn't want, didn't want an offensive coordinator <laughs> after to take the fall. So I have a question. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, you should have heard the press conference yesterday. Because um, I I'm, I'm guarantee you, I guarantee uh, you there's some gems in there. I was with the no. Chargers all day yesterday. I, I saw none of this. That's amazing. Okay. I can't so, even believe that happened. So... So thank you for telling me that. I'm glad I got to hear that from you. It was even better. Um, so what I'm saying is that why why was it a foregone conclusion that the Browns were gonna be bad on offense? The quarterback guru, I'm gonna get angry for a second. <laughs> I just adjusted the microphone. Mr. <laughs> quarterback guru, Mr. Quarterback guru has four allegedly NFL-ready quarterbacks. Now, we're a little over a year removed from, from Hugh Jackson himself saying, trust me with the selection of Cody Kessler. A year later, we trusted him, and Cody Kessler's not even in this little rotation at the start of the year. Okay, Brock yeah, it's, 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 in it. It's a starting pitcher rotation, Deshaun more Kaiser's in it. Kevin Hogan's in it. Cody Kessler is somewhere on a milk cart, Okay. But we have to say, oh, well, this was going to be a bad offense. Well, why? Look at the New York Jets. They have a McCown, one of those McCown. By the way, I made a joke on a video the other day that there were only there was a third McCown somewhere. Turns out there was a third McCown named Randy, and he played for Texas A and M. It's the best name. It's the best. There's possible a Randy first name. McCown floating around America who's also a quarterback. You could have thrown him in this Browns quarterback competition too, okay? So you have a McCown in New York, and the comparison here is Cleveland and New York. You have a McCown in New York. You have Robbie Anderson, okay? What did John Morton do? 
He created an offense because that's what offensive coaches do. The offense is really fun. I, they have no talent the, whatsoever. That, you know what offensive coordinators do? They build an offense. <sighs> and you know what they don't do? They don't look at an entire season and say, well, it's obvious we're going to be bad, so we might as well not try. Maybe John Morton should be the head coach of the Browns. He seems to know how to do more with less. The idea that you pick a quarterback in the second round and then spend the entire season making that quarterback think he could be yanked at any time for any reason is the exact wrong way to handle this. That's why, in my opinion, Hugh Jackson was just as much a candidate to get fired as Sashi Brown was, if not more. I I feel like the selection of the players in Cleveland has been better than the implementation of the players in Cleveland. And that's on Hugh Jackson. I have no idea what the argument is for keeping Hugh and firing Sashi Brown. I don't know. None. It makes no sense to me. I think the talent that they have acquired has been pretty solid. I think that the way they've gone about acquiring that talent is very solid. And I think that the way they've put that talent into practice has been absolute garbage. It's just infuriating. It's why are you, you're making the Browns. I don't get, I don't care about the Browns. The Kenny Brick contract is a nightmare that I will more than, Fine. I'm more than willing but to admit. You also had Corey Coleman who's been, who's shown flashes. I mean, a good offensive coordinator could have done some things with this offense. There is no law that says the Browns had to be terrible this year. They had a decent offensive line. Yeah. Joe, Joe Thomas getting hurt sucks. No, I, but, but they sucked. They've bef- also done they so little before Joe Thomas That's got fair. hurt. That's fair. Yeah. Also, I was watching them, and they're another team where, okay, what have they done to overcome the loss of a very good player? Nothing. It's like, let's spec- no. they've let Spencer Drango go at it one-on-one on the outside. I was re-watching the Jacksonville game, the thing I was writing. Putting him against Yannick Ngakwe you one-on-one. You were watching a Browns-Jaguars game? Yeah. It wasn't fun. Gotta do what you gotta do, man. Put in the homework. My new charity is Hobbies for Maze. <laughs> I have plenty of hobbies. I just want to do my job in a complete way. I Listen, buddy, I, I, no one works harder than I do. Having said that, I'm not going to rewatch Browns Jaguars. Hey. I, I am a, I am a extremely devoted to my craft writer, and I draw the line right right before Jaguars Browns. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to bite the bullet, and watching, rewatching the Eagles to be like, how have they made up for Jason Peters? That was really enjoyable. Yeah. I was like, oh, this team is so well coached, and da-da-da. I was not pumped up to put on the Browns game, and uh, it was about as bad as I figured it would be. That is a good segue, though, because M- Roberts, what are we missing this week is Yannick Ngakwe against Dwayne Brown. Hey! I, uh, I think that we've talked a lot about Bigger names on the Jaguars defense. You know, Clayus Campbell's had a monster season. Jalen Ramsey is very fun. I wrote a big story about Jalen Ramsey. AJ Boye has had a really nice season. Even guys like Miles Jack. Ngakwe to me is, he's the type of player that kind of unlocks an entire unit. Mm -hmm. When you can find a third round pick that becomes a serious problem, that's when you get really, really good. Yep. And Telvin Smith is another good example. When you can find a guy in the fifth round, it's being able to hit those gems on top of your top five picks, your big free agents. And Ngakwe has been that. He's really good as a rookie, and he's been excellent this season. What they can do with him, Calais, Malik Jackson, and then the combination of Marcel Darius and Dante Fowler in certain situations in nickel is just so terrifying because... They can hit you in four different ways. I mean, it's four guys that are problems in individual one-on-one matchups. And they use Ngakwe 
as the right defensive end in a lot of these nickel situations. And that means he's going against Dwayne Brown pretty much all game. And I think that that's the quieter element that has really given Seattle a chance down the stretch here is that Dwayne Brown is such a huge upgrade from what they had and changes their offense so much. If they didn't have him against Philly, I don't think that game happens the way that it does. I don't think, I think that result is much different. So you're going to see an excellent left tackle go up against a very underrated, but very problematic right defensive end, just a pure pass rusher that Ngakwe is. And it's a fun matchup. And I think that you may not hear his name as much because of Dwayne Brown. I think that that trade that Seattle made and then what those kind of quieter players have been for Jacksonville could be the biggest stories for each of them this season. And this week you have one of them going against the other. Love it. I, I, I'm fired up for this game. It's a good one. It's fun. There's a lot of just games within this game that are really enjoyable. We'll see what happens with Doug Baldwin and that Jacksonville secondary. He's going to play in the slot a lot. That means a lot of Aaron Colvin. We'll see what they do with, with Ramsey. I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff at play here just schematically that I think is going to be interesting. I want to see... I know there's a million reasons we want to see a healthy Seahawks defense. I would have loved to have seen a healthy Legion of Boom, healthy defensive line with the Seahawks against Blake Bortles. I think that the Jaguars will run the ball 47 times in this game. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's going to be great. Even without Camp Chancellor and Mr. Sherman, I think that's going to happen. Against the Steelers, they threw it like 11 times. Yeah, it's the move. I love it. It is the move. All right, coming up, Danny Kelly is here with his fantasy football playoff dark nights that can win you your league. Also, Robert and I will offer next week's headlines. It's the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Today's episode is sponsored by Action Heat. They make the world's best heated clothing, Robert. That's really good news because... I should get some for me when I get back home. It's yep. about 25 degrees. I'm dreading getting on this plane this afternoon. Well, Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But they have heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments. I could use all of those. I'm also reading here that Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge. And check this out. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any gadget while you wear them. That's incredible. That sounds like a good holiday gift, Kevin. They're available in men's and women's styles starting at just $39.99. Plus, we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 15% off your entire order. Yep, just go to action-heat.com slash NFL to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's action-heat.com slash NFL, or use the coupon code NFL at checkout to save 15%. Stay warm this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, fantasy football playoffs are underway, so Danny Kelly is here. He's our fantasy football genius. He's back. He's been restored to his throne. (laughs) Good for you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. It's a long time coming. How are you, buddy? I'm doing excellent. How are you guys doing? How are you, how are you dealing with this wave of optimism in Seahawks fandom? I'm riding it. I'm just riding that wave. It's, uh, yeah, people are feeling real good right now. It was a big game, though. Yeah, it's a huge game. I mean, the it, NFC is crazy. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> we were talking about that, just how all the NFC teams have played each other, all the good ones, and then as soon as the Seahawks get a reprieve from that, they have to play the Jacks. <laughs> yep. And they got the Rams still, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Um, but yeah, I mean... Overall optimism, you know, got got my guy Jimmy Graham. He's back. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about him a little bit later, but yeah. let's get into that, buddy. All right, so 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, Danny, you're going to tell us who our league winners are at each position this year. These are guys who can win people's leagues for them. Start with the QB. Yeah, so our producer, Sean Keegan, was just, we were talking about what we should talk about, and we were thinking, like, who are the guys that are just going to just win people their leagues? And, and the first quarterback that came to mind for me was Carson Wentz. I mean, Russell Wilson's schedule down the stretch is really brutal. So, and Wentz has just been really consistent all year. Obviously, he had a little bit of an off day last week. Um, but, I mean, I say off day at 348 passing yards, but... Um, I just think if you look at his schedule, obviously they got the Rams this week. That's tough. But then they face the Giants and Raiders. So, I mean, he could just go off and they're still going to be fighting for, I think, the number one seed down the stretch. You know, they're not going to they're not going to kind of pull off the, the throttle. So to me, you just the way that the, the, the Phillies offense is running with the Wentz is playing, he can scramble. He's got touchdown upside as kind of a runner, too. So, yeah, he, he to me, he's a guy that is just going to it's going to suck if you're facing him. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he he might be a real-life league winner. And also, he's the type (laughs) of guy that season-long has won people their leagues. I mean, it's the players that go undrafted and then become the first or second-best player at those positions. That's how you win. And that's exactly what Carson Wentz has been all year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, At the running back position, I was going to say Kamara, but he he played last night, obviously, and then got hurt. Um, you know, going forward, he could be that guy. But you know who came to mind for me is Christian McCaffrey, the, the Panthers. Mm. Um, I didn't realize it, but he's actually second among running backs right now to Le'Veon Bell in, in catches. You know, he's been a huge, huge part of their offense. They got, again, it's it's a tough schedule this week, but then going down the stretch, they got the Packers and the Bucks. They got the Vikings this week, and then two really, you know, pretty bad, you know, like middling to bad defenses, pass defenses down the stretch. So I think they're going to lean on him a lot. He's just a, you know, low... He's a low floor or high floor guy in terms of, you know, he's just going to get his catches. I think he's like five, six catches every week type of guy. So um, I, I think McCaffrey's kind of one of those guys that it's just he's so consistent that he could be he could be the guy that puts you forward. I also think their running game is just kind of finding itself a little bit. Yeah. You know, oh, it's yeah, much better sure. than it was early in the season. And they're going to try to run the ball. I mean, this is a team that's in the top near the top of the league in rushing percentage. They're going to run the ball no matter what. And if they can find their footing even more so, then you take that high floor that McCaffrey has and the ceiling goes up even more. Yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, yeah, and he hasn't even been like a major touchdown guy. He will, no. like, he has that upside still, too. So, yep. But I just um, say he's, his destiny is to lead the league, and he already has in screen grabs where the defense sells out to stop him. Yeah. And then, like, Greg Olson picks up 14 yards or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's. <laughs> that's his best strength right now is just like the defense. Alvin Kamara's coming for that title next year. The defense is just worrying about him so much, and you you cannot put uh, a value on that. Maze, my run, my my receiver on this. I know he's he's probably you're you're in the you're probably the president of the fan club here, Keenan Allen. Yes, of, sir. You know of the Chargers. He's just been ridiculous lately. Yeah. First player in NFL history with ten c- catches, hundred plus yards, and a touchdown in three straight games. That's crazy. First ever? He, he's had a, just a remarkable run here. And I think that you know, Keenan Allen's career has been impressive from the start. You know, he was really good as a rookie, which kind of started, it actually started you know, on, a, on the wrong note, but that's a different story. It, he, he's been really good as a rookie, right. but now you kind of just, this is a different level. And I think they're using him in different ways. He's never played in the slot this much. And I think that that's why they've he's kind of found another notch. So, yeah, I mean, I've loved watching Keenan Allen from the moment he started in the NFL. But this year just is a completely different level. 
This week, he's got the Redskins, so he might get matched up with Josh Norman a little bit. But going forward, and this is DVO rankings against number one receivers, he's got the Chiefs, who are 31st, Yeesh. and the Jets, who are 27th. So, I mean, he, he could feast, you know, just basically in, in the semifinals and the finals for you if you have him on your team. So, that's awesome. For, um, for tight end, I had to put him in here. I, t- I wrote about him today. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I think he's just on such a freaking streak with with touchdowns. The way that they're using him inside the five yard line now has been like a revelation for the team. Plus, the Seahawks just don't have a goal line back at this point. Like they have one rushing touchdown all year from a running back, I should say. That's incredible. Um, so he's their goal line back. I've seen a couple, you know, really, I've seen a couple guys talking about this on on Twitter, and I'm I'm kind of stealing their thunder on that. But um, yeah, he's he's essentially their goal line back. So. Um, for me, he's he's the guy that they're really relying on when they get in deep, and and you know he could you know I mean he could just have touchdown upset every week. I think why stop now? Honestly, is is kind of what I'm saying. They they've just relied on it. He's been really good. It's unstoppable. Um, that back shoulder fade, he just box guys out, and um, they kind of finally figured out how to use him. I mean, that's what the name of the game is, especially for tight ends in fantasy. I mean, this year when there's no options, why not go with the guy who gets three or four red zone targets every single week? He has 12 red zone. He has 12 targets inside the five yard line this year, which I think is like seven more than the next closest guy. Yeah, that's incredible. And in the last in in this century, so since 2000, only one player's had more over a full season. That's Demarius Thomas. So he's he's like historically targeted inside the five yard line this year. There you go. Well, it was it was Demarius Thomas, the recipient of those because of Peyton Manning's like goal line passing offense. I think it was, yeah, I think it was in 2013. It was all those rub routes. That makes sense. It that's feels all they, like Julius Thomas got so many though that there might not be that many to go around. I guess that's no, how often that team was in the red zone. Touchdown. There were a lot of three yard Peyton Manning <laughs> there, touchdowns there out go. here. Yeah, fifty five. Right, so touchdowns. let's get to the dark nights. Um, and you guys, I know Maze, you've been talking about. Why do Garoppolo. we not have a song? Do we got we got our intro song? No, we don't have one. <laughs> we should have one. Just play like the booms, the like the Hans that. Zimmer booms. <laughs> the Inception one. Yeah. Well, I want to have like a, a ticking a ticking clock in the background, kind of like get the <laughs> oh, get wow. your blood up a little bit. Yeah, the ticking clock. That's a big Christopher Nolan thing. Yeah, which is like the intro. Yeah, for the well, we're gonna workshop this. Yeah, that's hey, fine. A <laughs> lot of buzz for Danny. I've gotten like ten tweets about this for Danny to give these on Tuesday from now on. Yeah, we, think we can think about that going forward. That. Hey, crowdsourcing is an important part of the internet, so we appreciate everyone's input. Makes Absolutely. sense. All right, let's all, get to it, Danny. All, all Twitter mentions are valid and not ins- 99% of them that are not completely true. insane yeah, and, I'm, and, and off I'm base. biting my tongue on that yeah, one a that little bit. that is not true. I'm joking. All right, buddy, let's get to these. <laughs> They're all horrible. All right, so my first dark night for this week is Marquise Goodwin, 49ers. Um, obviously, with Garoppolo starting, it kind of changes the, the picture for the 49ers yep. passing game. Um, you know, last week, Goodwin was the clear number one guy in that offense. He caught all eight of his targets for 99 yards. He was running, you know, slants and, and, and you know, out routes toward the sideline. He wasn't just, a, he's not like a one trick pony. He still has that deep threat speed. And, you know, he has that touchdown upside just because he's such a deep threat. And especially in the Mike Shanahan or uh, Kyle Shanahan, sorry, the Kyle Shanahan offense, um, you know, which is so heavily dependent on play action and all that. So I think just the fact that, you know, Garoppolo seems to be looking for him. They're going up against a, a middling to bad Texans defense who's given up a lot of points in the, in the last few weeks. And the other thing that's weird is Goodwin's actually still second on that team in red zone look. So um, they're, you know, he, he's just kind of the guy. 
And Trent Taylor was a big, you know, sort of a big factor last week too. But I, I'm I'm going with Goodwin in this one. Yeah, I mean, they without Garcon, they need somebody to kind of eat up those targets, and that's exactly what he's been. I was shocked at how many different ways they used him. I know yeah. his stat line's been pretty decent, but I haven't watched a lot of CJ Beathard led 49ers <laughs> offense this year. I'll admit right. it. But watching all of that game against with Garoppolo, I mean, I was very impressed with him and their usage. I think he's going to be a factor in this down the stretch for sure. I'm starting him over Amari Cooper this week. Like, that's the type yeah. of choice I'm willing to make <laughs> at this point. Yeah, that's the playoffs for you right there. Mark Cooper's been that story all year, of man. Of course. Like every- but I, that's how good I feel about Marquise Goodwin, just in terms of usage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my second dark night, and this is kind of a boomer bust type of guy, but I'm rolling with him this week. Deshaun Jackson, the Buccaneers against the Lions. Um, I think Darius Slay is probably going to be pretty preoccupied with Mike Evans this week. He's Slay has been their shutdown guy. He's been shadowing some of the best receivers in the NFL. He's been really good. Um but I think Jackson has, again, he's, he's that, that deep threat that has the high touchdown upside in terms of if he gets behind a defense, it's over. I think that we could see Jameis Winston play some hero ball going, you know, just towards the end of the season, kind of letting loose. He, he looked pretty good last week, or his numbers did anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I think Jackson, with the way that they've used him, he's, he's the number two guy in that offense. How is that a departure a for Jameis Winston? Yeah, that's pretty much what we always get. Maybe well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe even more. I, Deshaun, it's it. been a frustrating season for Deshaun Jackson owners. I can tell you that much. I mean, that did, offense just is maddening in every single way. But I get where you're going. Yeah, so it, he's a little bit of boomer bust for me. But yeah, I'm I'm rolling with him this week. If you're if you're looking for a guy to that like put in your flex spot, uh, my third one is is probably I, I you know I think this is probably pretty obvious. But Josh Gordon, the Browns, he got 11 targets I mean, last week. <laughs> I know he. I mean, this is this is not like a deep sleeper pick for me. But I mean, for people who aren't quite on board yet, I think he proved last week that he's back. He went up against Casey Hayward, who's a very good corner. You know, one of the top corners in the NFL. I think even Hayward said this, that he was the hardest matchup he's had all year, which yep. is crazy considering Hayward's defended some of the best receivers in the NFL this year. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if you're not, if you're, if you've been leery to get on board with Josh Gordon, this is my, this is me convincing you that he's legit. He looked really good. Plus, yeah, like you said, eleven targets. They're going to force feed him the ball. Um, the Packers have the twenty-second ranked DVOA uh, defense per DVOA, and then they're 29th this year against number one receivers for DOVOA. So um, Kevin King's on IR. Devon House, I think, is, I don't know if he's going to play or not. He's been nursing a shoulder injury this this week, and so they're depleted in the secondary as well. So, yeah, it, to me it's a good matchup, and, and he proved last week that, you know, he's back. We have one more, and is this your darkest night coming up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is, is the, the darkest night. This is the one we need the song for. This is definitely the darkest night. All right, Danner, let's do this. Uh, here we go. So, Mixon mispracticed again this week, um, or on on Friday, and so he's he's probably not going to play. And this is, to me, this is an injury contingent dark night. So, if Mixon plays, please ignore this this advice. But Bernard Giovanni Bernard looked pretty good last week. You know, pretty quick. He had 13 carries for 77 yards. Added a couple of catches for 19 yards. That's against a a good defense last week too. And so. Um, I just think that the Bengals' offense has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I think Andy Dalton's been pretty decent. Um, they're obviously nothing like super exciting or anything like that. They they go really slow. They don't run very many plays. But I think that with mixing out uh, Jeremy Hill, Jeremy Hills on the IR, they don't really have anyone else. They're going to force feed him against a Bears defense that is banged up and everything. So 
Um, to me, if, you, if you're looking for like a flex play or, or running back two or three, he could be a guy right now just based on the injuries. I can't believe I have to watch Bengals-Bears this weekend. <laughs> Why do you have to watch it? Because it's going to be on wherever I am. You don't. This and, is, this and because is very, you can't help yourself. This is, you know, I will the watch future the future is what you made. The future is unwritten. I will watch the game. <laughs> I, I watch the Bears game still every week. I will watch the game. I'm just not looking forward to it. It makes sense, Danny. I mean, if Mixon's not playing, he's going to get a lot of work. The Bears defense is fine, but it's nothing where all that volume would be. I mean, the, the, all that volume is plenty against this Bears defense right, for him to be right. worth it. I want to go back to this Bengals Bears thing. What you don't have to watch it, Robert. I will you watch. I watch all the Bears games. Like an intervention. You can save yourself. You can watch, I will watch all the Bears games. games. I will watch. All Nothing the Bears is games. written. Have you seen Lawrence? I don't watch one game at a Nothing time. Nothing is written. All, the games are on, and the Bears game will be <laughs> prominently can, featured. You can position yourself to where you're watching a better game. No, I watch. I watch a lot you. of the Bears game. I this will watch bad. a lot of it. Sorry, buddy. I'm gonna watch a lot of it. That's how it's gonna Please. go. How are you feeling about Trubisky? This is off subject. Fine. How you I feel fine. This I am right now in a position similar to what I would have been with the Rams last year. Until right. all of this changes, I am passing no judgment. He has not been a disaster. I mean, this is not irredeemable. Right. There is a chance with the right coaching staff, with a couple better options on the outside, because he has none, that this is going to be okay. I, we're probably beyond writing off rookie quarterbacks, right? After what this we've is, seen. Yeah, yeah. This has so many parallels to God. Yes. For me. Yeah. So that's where I am. Can I, I'm I just not willing say to pass judgment on any of this. This has nothing to do with Trubisky. This has nothing to do with Trubisky. I think Trubisky can, can improve a lot. I think we're playing a dangerous game. Where we now think all bad quarterbacks are going to be good because of Jared Goff. <laughs> That's I'm. It's not that. I don't yeah. think he's been that bad. And I think that the situation is terrible. And with an improvement in situation, no, I know he what you're saying. Fun. I'm saying. I'm just saying the 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 Goff lesson will always be the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Typically, if you look bad. You're bad. If Mahomes comes in next year and is bad with no. Andy Reid, I'm not going to say, you know, who can, you know how he can get better with a better <laughs> offensive staff. Agreement. I'm dead, I, that's why I prefaced it by saying that was not a Trubisky point. Just an overall, like, let's not learn the wrong lessons from Jared Goff. That's fine. Yeah, but on the other hand, now maybe people will be a little less likely to completely write someone off. I think we should take it on rookie. a case-by-case basis. I, I would like uh, to go the other way and write people off uh, more, more quickly. <laughs> uh, we, we know. We know. <laughs> I don't have time to wait and see. Uh, I, I need to it. write people off as soon as possible. Danny, thank you very much, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Robert, are you aware that hiring people for your business can be a huge pain in the butt? I can imagine, you know, sitting there picking through a huge stack of resumes looking for a solid candidate, but there's a smarter, less time-consuming way to hire, and it's called ZipRecruiter. Yeah, they let you post your job to over a hundred leading job boards with just one click. Yeah, and they have this smart matching technology, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. When 80% of employers who post to ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike any other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL.
The holidays are almost here, Robert. I know. I'm still holding out hope you grab me just a sweet bear sweater or something to keep me warm. Probably not going to get you anything, bud. Fine, but for those of you in the holiday spirit, you can get some extra cash for the holidays by laying down some and winning big on your sports predictions. And the place to do it is mybookie.ag. It's your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. They're the only site we recommend because they have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone super easy. Whatever you choose, if you want to make some money betting the games, you got to go to mybookie.ag because where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. Join now and mybookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use the promo code RingerNFL to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Robert, before we go, next week's biggest headlines. Give us a prediction. I think this is the week where we could... I'm not saying it's going to be a widespread headline. I'm just saying it's going to exist. If the Vikings win Bortles this week... MVP. I, close. Okay. If the Vikings win this week, we are definitely going to get a why isn't Case Keenum the MVP conversation. It is going to happen. How much weight does it have? I don't know. I feel like he's been so much better than anyone who could have imagined. I still don't think he's the MVP of the league. Adam Thielen's probably the MVP of that offense. But absolutely, it is going to exist if the Vikings win. Is Case Keenum the real MVP? Question mark. I just Googled Case Keenum MVP. Here are the, here are the websites that have covered this. Yep. Uh, the VikingAge.com, SportingSoda.com, and uh, there's, a, there's a Star Tribune article asking if he's in the top 10. So <laughs> this is not... Hey, a widespread thought. It is not. But if he if they win again, if let's say the let's say the Rams lose. So another rough day for golf or for Wentz, mm-hmm. hypothetically, mm-hmm. Brady, it doesn't matter what Brady does. He's just kind of a boring option. So there's less heat around that. I think this could be the week where it actually comes up in a national forum, not on SportingSoda.com. I work for SportingSoda.com. I'm not. I'm nothing. Nothing wrong with SportingSoda.com. I'm not trying to disparage it. I'm just saying. I think By it could get I outside of those walls. I just want to be clear. SportingSoda, S O T A, S O T A, not S O D A. Yes, I got I, what you're going. I work for SportingSoda with a D.com. Ah, okay. Yeah. What is that? It's uh, where we uh, skateboard and drink uh, Dive Mountain. Oh, I figured Dew. that was just. It was all on all sport. That slightly carbonated. Oh, no, no, sports no, 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 no. It's doing sports <laughs> while drinking soda. Gotcha. Okay. It's we just shred on the half pipe and we just <laughs> skateboarding we just, sports. Uh, yeah, it's extreme sports. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's extreme. It's extreme sports because it's the best sport. It's extreme. It's extremely sports. Sure. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. Sports and it, it becomes more extreme while you're drinking soda. But it has to be like some sort of Mountain Dew. Have you ever assume. seen a Mountain Dew ad where they're yeah. not skateboarding? That's a good point. This is like the Drew Brees thing. You're just getting owned all the time here. All right, buddy. All right. That was, it. No, that was it. That was my point. That was it. That was your headline. Um, no, it, it's it's going to be the NFC. It's going to be the beautiful chaos in the NFC, and what that's going to look like because those going to, we, we, as we said at the beginning of the show, we're at the quarter mark of the season, three quarter mark of the season, and we don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like the NFC is as intriguing as it ever has been. I, I'm not as intrigued with the AFC right now because I kind of feel like there's the Patriots and everybody else. I know you love the Steelers, but I, I really feel like the Patriots are going to merge out of that. And so you just get in a situation where the NFC is going to be as fun a playoff as I can remember. Um, and I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, the timing is good with uh, Ian Malcolm making his return to television yesterday with that new Jurassic Park ad. It, yeah. it feels like life finds I mean, a way. You think be about, a- you think, here's the headline on Monday. It's going to be the winner of Golf Wentz. Yep. But then you have Vikings Panthers. 
You already had last night uh, Saints Falcons. You Seahawks have, play the Jags. Seahawks which play the Jags. Big game. This is, you know, I joke a lot about. You remember in college football when they used to just like nickname weekends? You know, it was like Survival Saturday or whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's this man. Like we're learning a lot every week. Every it week it's like that now. I love it. The NFC's right. been fun as hell. That's it for today. We'll be back on Tuesday to recap week 14. As always, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks, guys.